Everybody, everyone. I think I combined words right there. Every morning. Morning. I had coffee too. Sorry, I'm a little overexcited this morning. Um, you know, it's 9/11. It's it's been 15 years, and for some in this room, that's a very powerful day. Uh, especially if you've served in the military, it, it has a a different connotation. I, you know, when I 15 years ago, when I was sitting in my living room in Oxnard. I didn't really realize what, I thought some guy just ran into the, you know, flying his little Cessna into the building. And then when it dawned on me that these are Middle East terrorists, it still didn't, I'm like, well, what happened? Why, why'd they do that to us? I thought the Middle East fought with each other all the time. I didn't think it included us all the time. And so it, it, I, I just didn't realize the amount of bad blood there was between the radicals, the radicals of uh, those of the is- Islamic faith and what we have to hold dear to our values as Americans. I didn't realize the tension. Now I'm wide awake to the tension. Ever since 9-11, we've been on a war footing and we'll probably continue to be at a war footing. And so there's members of our church that, like Mike Watterson is out there somewhere. He's on a war footing. He's doing stuff right now that's designed to protect us. Uh, Brian Boyd, this is... Uh, his last service with us before he goes on deployment. Um, these are active members of our Navy, of our military, and they're out there. And, and they're having to be in the fray of this bad blood, them and us. And it's pretty scary. That's how I reacted to 9 I was just shocked. Like, what, what happened? And so on the anniversary, I thought it'd be important for us to talk about relationships. Because sometimes relationships, you, you wake up in the morning and you go like, what happened? You wake up and you, and, and you realize your marriage is falling apart. What, what, what went wrong? Or your friendship has grown distant. You're going, what happened? I didn't realize there was some bad blood. We are constantly bombarded with situations that want to introduce bad blood even into healthy relationships. I'm going to do a series over the next several weeks about relationships. And bad blood is the title of it. Bad blood can affect any relationship. What do I mean by bad blood? I don't mean the Taylor Swift song. Even though it was a pretty cool song. There was bad blood between her and some, somebody else named Katy Perry. And all the teens know about it. And I don't know all the details. But, you know, they know all the details of why there's bad blood. And there's sides to the bad blood. And... I just like good pop music. <laughs> bad blood, what I mean is that any relationship that is hard, from the coworker that you avoid because they're annoying, to the family member you haven't spoken to in years, to the person you know, you think about how to avoid them at church. Bad blood. Or the person you know that you're gonna, oh, I'm gonna, it's Thanksgiving coming up. Oh my gosh. What am I gonna do? You know, we all have to understand that we're all vulnerable to bad blood. When I was growing up, my older brother, Danny, his name is Danilo. Really, it's Oscar Danilo. It's a strange name. I always teased him, thinking I was being funny. And I call him Oscar in front of his friends. 
I didn't realize that was creating bad blood. I, I thought I was just having fun. His real name's not Danny. It's Oscar hyphen Danilo. And he'd get really embarrassed. I didn't, I was just having fun. But later on, I, I just, I, I was, I was realizing that he would call me names back and embarrass me too. And I didn't think that was very cool, even though I was doing it to him. And so our relationship was just bad. One time I was following him on the bicycle, him and his friends. I was older brother, little brother wanted to hang out because all, all his friends and my, we were all kind of clumped together as friends in the neighborhood. And it, I didn't realize how bad it was until he went around to this forest area. We drove, he, he knew I was following him. I was just kind of going through and following him and trying to catch up and keep my distance. He pulled behind this little bend there with the trees and all of them are just standing there with their bikes. And I pulled up and he grabbed me, threw me off my bike and threw my bike down a ravine. And then he took off and all his friends and my friends took off with him. And I was like, I don't even know where I am. Going down the ravine, trying to get my bike up the hill. By the time I got up there, he was gone. I was like, how do I get home? And I was so angry. I was so mad. I told my mom, Mom, you give me... And she's like, well, you're home, aren't you? I'm like, that's not the point. <laughs> my parents didn't help me deal with the bad blood. And so our relationship suffered. And as we matured, we started to treat each other a little better and better. Now we have a great relationship because we got to kind of talk through some of the stuff. That was frustrating. Especially growing up with my parents who never got involved. Or it was bad blood between high school. You may relate to this, but you, you date a girl, you break up, and somebody else dates her. And all of a sudden, that guy has bad blood with you. What did I do? What did I do? So there was bad blood. I used to walk around high school with a knife in my backpack just in case it got crazy. I was huge. I was just a little small guy. Bad blood, it can happen to any relationship. All relationships have moments when they needed to be guided back to a good place. Every relationship. Usually, sometimes that takes someone to facilitate that. <clears throat> Whenever Karen and I get into that, we have someone help facilitate, you know, to guide us back to a good place. Because the quality of our lives is only as good as the quality of our relationships. And this isn't just for people who have broken relationships. This is for every one of us, even those with great relationships. Why? Because bad blood is always right around the corner. And the lack of peace about relationships ultimately robs you of peace in your own life. It brings stress, anxiety, worry. And, and peace in a relationship is possible if you're willing it is possible you know every holiday season I have to see relatives that I'm like who invited them I'm just being who invited this person when you're not in the usual family who, who does the invitations to these things because there's bad blood from whatever or whenever or, or just they're just annoying me and happiness comes from peace with God peace with myself or yourself and peace with others 
And the point of this lesson is that you can have peace about the relationship without peace in the relationship. And I'm going to talk about why, how you can do that. And here's, here's some truth that I'm going to be explaining to us about the New Testament. Paul was the author. He wrote most of the New Testament. Pretty awesome. And he writes this phrase. This is a piece of a whole sentence. I'm just going to break down the sentence. But it says, live at peace with everyone. You, you would expect the Bible to say that, right? And Paul might have known more about bad blood than any of us could ima even imagine. He was up to his eyeballs in bad blood. The Jewish people hated him. Some of the Christians were still mad at him. I mean, this guy was, he was switch, he switched sides. He oversaw the killing of Christians. He arrested Christians. And then he switched sides and, went, and then he was baffling all the Jews and he was getting, getting them all angry. He was causing riots. He knew bad blood. And this is why he said this. If it is possible, live at peace with everyone. This is a man who knows and is involved and is writing about the tension that, that bad blood exists and no relationship is immune to it. It just is. If it is possible, live at peace with everyone. It may be possible, but it might not be. Do you want it to be possible? I mean, there's no assurance there's going to be peace. But you pursue peace even without a promise of peace. That's what he's saying. That you pursue it. Even though there's not a promise of peace. And then it says this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. You do you, right? You do what you can do. Nothing more, nothing less. You do what you can do in the relationship. Why? Because we spend so much energy on them, right? On the person that's, you know, where you have bad blood or, or was offended by. You, you, all your energy goes to them. And you forget to focus on you. So before you even worry about them, you do you. What do I mean? Let's talk about you for a second. Let's talk about me for a second. We don't want to talk about you when we're in the midst of a bad blood situation. That's too personal. It's easier to just talk about them. Oh, they did that and this. And you know, do you see the reaction there? And we start nitpicking and focusing all our attention on them. Paul says, as far as it depends on you. What depends on you? Well, think of a pie. There's their piece, and then there's your piece. But we always say, well, their piece is bigger than my piece. Right? That's bad blood. They got a bigger piece. No. What can you own of the pie? Well, I can own my piece. That's what I can do. You do you. Focus on your piece of the pie. Yeah, their piece is probably bigger in your eyes. 
But do you want peace? You have to deal with the part you play in any relationship. Do you want peace in your marriage? You got to own up to your pie. You have to. Otherwise, your relationship will be very vulnerable to bad blood and bitterness and resentment. You got to own up to your pie. Everyone does. As far as it depends on you, can you go any further? Can you apologize and make, make, make an attempt to say, look, I want peace. I'm sorry. Here's what I could have done differently. Here's what I did wrong. Here's what I'm seeing about myself. That goes a long way when someone's listening to that. Versus them expecting, well, you did this, and you made me feel, and you did this, and, that, and that's why I'm mad at you. And we just turn around and look at ourselves. We do it as far as it depends on you. Live at peace. Peace is possible for you. And when you've done all you can do, live at peace with everyone. Because there's only so much you can do in a relationship. You can still have peace about the relationship without having peace in the relationship because you're doing what you need to do. You're doing your part in the relationship. Let's talk about empathy for a moment. And looking through your relationships through an empathy lens. It's very difficult when you're mad at someone to do that. Someone has to remind you to be empathetic. Because our nature is not to show empathy when we've been hurt by someone. That's not our nature. Our nature is to, is to load up our pros of why we're upset and justified, and that's how we feel about it. That's our nature. We do it every day in our marriage, right? Empathy is the first part of your part. It's the very first step that each of us can take. Sympathy is acknowledging what the other person feels. Now, here's where it's tricky. When someone shares their feelings, our, our nature is to take that as absolute truth. And that's where we get tripped up. When, when, the, when, the, when the wife says, you don't pick up after yourself, that's not true. Yesterday at 3 o'clock, I specifically picked my underwear off the floor and put them in the right color basket. We don't focus and acknowledge the other person's feelings. Empathy is feeling what the other person feels. Looking at through that lens. You know, Karen senses, I sense frustration. Tell me about your frustration. And I get to sympathize and empathize. And then there's a connection. In difficult relationships, empathy can be the key to opening up dialogue that leads to a healthier relationship. You know, there's a song in that song that Taylor Swift sings in Bad Blood. It's, it's a line that goes, Band-Aids don't fix bullet holes. I tend to sing that song when I, Band-Aids don't fix bullet holes. And I thought about that one. one. Who would put a Band-Aid on a bullet hole? But that's exactly what we do. We put band-aids on a bullet hole. You will die. That does not work. 
We have to continue to make a great effort to see the other side of the person we're trying to live at peace with. We, we got to kind of hold on and slow down and stop looking at it from our side and look at it from their side. So some steps of empathy. Take on the other person's perspective. Like take it on. Okay, let me understand your perspective and how you're looking at this. That's empathy. It gets, it's like a bridge. Then second, suspend your judgment. Because we are very quick to judge. Oh, your perspective's wrong. I wouldn't have done it that way. Of course you wouldn't. But it's their perspective. It's their background. It's their experiences you're, you're working with. Not just your own. But suspend your judgment. I say that because we are very quick to judge each other's motives. We just are when we're... Because there's bad blood. We assume, it you're, we assume you're trying to hurt us. Recognize the other person's emotions. Sometimes it's a little bit difficult because sometimes I'm not sure what I feel. I have a hard time understanding what this person feels. Like, well, what? Because I'm not even in touch with my own feelings. And then communicating that emotion back to them. This is what I hear you saying. This is what I'm understanding. Wow. Okay. Now I see that. And man, does it open up a huge pathway of just having a healthier relational dynamic. So try that in your marriage. Try that with your children. You know, studies show that showing empathy towards your kids, their responses, they begin to embrace your values. What I mean is this, man, I had a hard, I had a hard day at school and, and my, my homework's hard and there's too much homework. You know what, what, if I shared that with my parents, they would say, study longer. You're not trying hard enough. It's because you're playing Atari. <laughs> you know what I would do now? Oh man, yeah, I remember, that's hard. Oh sweetie, yeah, I, I feel the same way, a lot of homework in fact, yeah. I get that, man. I totally get that. Empathy. Studies show that children embrace the values of parents who are empathetic, who show empathy. So what you can do, if you grew up with parents like mine, says, study harder, try harder, you're not doing it. Get off the guitar. You can change that. In fact, that fuels me to be a, an empathetic person to my kids. You know, my, my, I have a teenager in the house now, so every day the, the emotional range is so like vast. Like whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Today I asked her, did I do anything that might have hurt you? Because I felt she was this coldness. So no, not at all. I said, oh, thank, thank God. <laughs> all right. Because what I, what I wanted to do was to judge your cold, your unloving. That's what I wanted to do. So I had to go clarify, like, hey, did I do anything that might have hurt you? Did I say something wrong? Did I do something? No, not at all, Dad. You're awesome. Okay, this is teenager stuff. I'm, just on, a, I'm on a ride right now. I'm like, whoosh. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm on a ride. But I want to check the temperature. Here's a quote by uh, someone that I came across. as human beings are the only creatures who are able to behave irrationally in the name of reason. 
We're the only ones that can behave so irrationally in the name of reason. We just lose it. We go bonkers. Is it possible that their behavior has a logical explanation? Okay, let me rephrase it. Is it possible their behavior has a logical explanation to them? To me, I think it's crazy. It's illogical. But to them, it makes perfect sense. Are you open to understanding that side of the equation? It's logical to them. Not you. If we continue to always view relationships from only our perspective, we get exhausted. It's tiring. It's stressful. The art of avoiding people. It's, it's just tiresome to me. And when there's bad blood, I don't just want to forgive. I want them to pay a little price. I want someone to pay a price for hurt. That's our nature. You see law and order? It's America. Someone bumped into Karen in Santa Barbara, nicked the car. Karen pulled over. Guy just kept going. I'm like, what country do we live in? I'm in this bubble. What country do we live in? What world is this? And then we went to the police station. There's been a crime committed. I was indignant. So my wife was hit by another vehicle and they didn't stop. That's a hit and run by definition. That's illegal. There's jail time for people like that. And the cop lovingly, as a cop would be loving, this big cop came out. You know, just, you know the sheriff came out. Tall, muscular man. And I could tell he's like, he's like, tell me your story. So I told him the story. What's going on? She got hit. My, my wife's traumatized. It's crazy. He took a deep breath. He's like, yeah. You want the good news or the bad news? I was like, bad news? I have to write a report. He's not, he's not here. He went away. It's he said or she said. Your insurance company was going to bill both of you. Doesn't matter. It's America. You can't hit people and move. It's America. I kept saying, this is America. This is something's wrong. He's like, in LA County, they wouldn't give you the time of day. I was like, my, my, where my mom lives? No, they wouldn't give you the time of day. They, they, they wouldn't, they, I wouldn't, I, no one would come out to this. It was just, this, is, this is too small. This America. I was so perplexed. And instantaneously, I started going, well, I'm going to go start bumping people. I'm just going to, I don't care. Yeah, so what? Ha <laughs> insurance company. That's what I felt like when I left. I'm going, I'm just going to hit people. Who cares? He said, the cop goes, Wait for the big collision. Then, then there's... So I can just play bumper cars in society? That's what I can do? Yeah. I mean, I was like, that's where I was at. The blood was bad. Who is this? We had his license plate number. I was tempted to go, you know, start... I'm like, stop. Just stop. There's nothing we can do about it. I'm never going to see this guy. I don't know who he is. 
but I got to deal with some of the bad blood who I'm never going to probably see again. As far as it depends on you. There might be a relationship you can't do anything about. It's done. It's gone. It's, it's just, what can I do? Can I just walk around playing bumper cars, blaming that guy in Santa Barbara all my life? I got to fix that. I got to fix that. I could spend a lot of energy staying mad. I could spend a lot, a lot of energy not trying to be mad. That's a problem. Why? Because it's going to spill out somewhere else. And guess who feels it when you're like that at home? Your kids feel it. Your coworkers feel it. They all know because you're carrying it. You walk around. But I want us to walk around and see the other side. What, what are they going through? You see things you wouldn't have seen if you start looking at their perspective. Your anger can, can move to compassion when you look at their situation. Your hurt can begin to heal when you look at the other person's situation. Sometimes I journal when I'm frustrated. Like I don't journal like, dear God. Today, I, I'm like, I'm really mad today. I'm upset. I don't know why. I'm writing because I'm mad. Mad, 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 mad. I want to be happy, but I'm mad. You know, I just start writing and then through the process of writing my emotions out, just the word mad, I want to be happy, but I'm mad, start to, starts to soothe my soul because I'm, I'm trying to get something out. I don't keep a very tidy journal with dates and stuff. I just, it's just a bunch of notes that I write down. And when I start to think of the ultimate empathetic move that God did by sending Jesus, God looked at us, us and our side. He looked at, what, do, what, is, what does mankind need from me? Instead of, instead of a cloud, instead of a tablet, instead of a burning bush, I'm going to go in the form of a person to mankind. Jesus moved first. And this is the gospel in essence. God loved us first. When you choose to make the long walk of empathy, you're mirroring just what Jesus did. He was empathetic. Of all the interactions Jesus had with sinners, they loved being around the man. I get the sense of empathy. When he looked down and, he, and saw the people, he says, they're, man, they're like harassed and helpless. He didn't say, man, they're sinning against God. That's what the Pharisees did. Jesus says, wait a minute. Oh, man. They're messed up. He had compassion. And they're sinning against him. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That is the heart of the gospel. So we as followers of Jesus, those who are, who are willingly open and saying, I'm a follower of Jesus, should we not lead with empathy? Should we not lean in and try to show compassion? Yes, you were injured. Yes, so was Jesus. But in our injury, he was very clear. We haven't shed blood. It's not like someone's going, ah, brother, with a knife at us. 
It's like, brother, you hurt me. Empathy. Jesus asks us to love as he loved. John 13. Forgive as he's forgiven. Matthew. Show mercy as he has shown mercy to you. There is no way for us to do this for others unless we have run into the Savior who has done this for us. Then you realize, wow, I can do this. I can begin to have healthier relationships with my wife, with my kids, with my coworkers, with my brothers, with my sisters. Anywhere I go, because as far as it depends on me or you, live at peace with everyone. If you do this, your life will be better. Not because you feel better, but because you're reflecting the image of God in you. That's why you'll feel better. Jesus was called the Prince of Peace. Paul is reflecting that practically. Jesus wants to bring us peace. And he does say, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. So let us leave this building this morning. Let us leave this fellowship. As far as it depends on you, if it is possible, live at peace with everyone. As we continue this series, I'll give you more and more practicals on how to do that. Sounds fair? Let's pray for our service and we'll close out. God, thank you so much for your mercy, your example of love, your desire to show compassion on us, your desire to make an empathetic move, coming down to earth, dying for our sins, And rescuing us. God, rescue our relationships. As far as it depends on us, God, allow us to own our piece of the pie. Allow us to grow in our wisdom, to have great relationships, to have peace about the relationship, even though there may not be peace in the relationship. God, help us to grow in our faith, to grow in our...